everybody and welcome back to another episode of the knee on belly podcast we are your hosts nate john brandon and boys today we are gonna set you guys up with our picks and predictions for the first fight night of the year with magomed ankalaev taking on johnny walker in a light heavyweight showdown main event we're also going to give you guys as promised our mma bold takes and predictions for this next year um and also recap last year is to see if any came true we'll say we did a little better than we thought <laughs> none of us were that far off i don't know if you guys went back mm-hmm. uh and finally and per usual all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts and more but first boys how are we doing episode 165 of the Neon Belly Podcast, or, John, as some people have taken to calling it, uh, the number of years it takes Neptune to orbit the sun episode mm. of the Neon Belly Podcast, uh, but Brandon, as always, that's neither here nor there. We're just glad people are listening, right? Yeah, always. Absolutely. What's your favorite planet outside of Earth? Uh, probably Neptune, That's what I was going to say, that when, you said, like, when you said that. Kind of like old Big Blue up yeah, there, you like know? Yeah, like the color, <laughs> like the, where it's at in the, you know, the order. So. Is that yours, too? Yeah. Mm. yeah, it's a solid it's a solid planet. I actually think uh, in grade school I did a uh, project on Neptune mm-hmm. and had to build like a little model of it. So, you know, I've always had a real infinity attachment there for Neptune. Yeah. Um, can't can't not think about it. You know, you think about how many times a week you think about the Roman Empire. I think about Neptune often, yeah. you know, I have to say. Maybe not weekly, uh, maybe not even bi-weekly, but at least, least bi-monthly. Month. Bi-monthly. Yeah. Yeah. I think about it. I mean, if I, could, if I could make one of these planets yeah. habitable. Absolutely. I'm picking Neptune, you know. Absolutely. Boys, how are we doing? Uh, we're about, well, here we go. I mean, it's time, right? We're going to yeah. kick off uh, it's another been three weeks. year. Yeah, it has been three weeks. Um, we're going to kick off another year of fights. Um, I'm really excited, like I said, to get to these pit or uh, these takes um, and, and predictions uh, as Brandon's got a little smile. <laughs> that already tells me Brandon's got something up his sleeve. Um, or he has no idea. No, at all. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just reminded of the position I'm in. I'm just really excited to get after it and just, oh, just, the negative just like, three points. Yeah, just like in, like in your face, like by the end of the year, like you tried so hard to put me down. I mean, we'll and see. It's just not gonna work. I mean, we'll see. You're you, his bulletin board material. Yeah, you also <laughs> might lose by three at the end of the year to John, and that will be my favorite thing. <laughs> uh, we'll say though before we do get into picks and everything. Uh, going back, I was reminded. You know going back and listening to last year's year and when we did our predictions um i was reminded i did win two years straight um Mm -hmm. in our third year john you did win the first year but john you are two years straight in last place brother i tied him at the end of this year oh you guys tied yeah all right i didn't know that sorry i don't don't think about that kind of stuff you know give me a little something i came back all right but um i did going back to that 2022 episode or our last episode of 2022 when we were making predictions for 23 and doing our year at awards i had challenged you going into 2023 i'd completely forgotten about this uh to just step it up a bit and i told you like we need you watching fights we need you doing better on your Mm -hmm. breakdowns um and i can say that you did not live up to that at all in 2023 (laughs) matter of fact it may have gotten a little worse that's not true dude um so back in the second half i feel it's only right again to lay the gauntlet lay the challenge for john uh heading into 2024 let's see it man Should should we lower the bar 
I mean, we could lower the bar and just help him in that sense. Well, here's the thing. This is the year of the eight ball, so that it's not true. up to me. Mm-hmm. For people that maybe don't know, don't remember, it was just kind of thrown in. Brandon, for Christmas, did buy John um, the lucky eight ball, which may make an appearance today. I don't know. I don't see it in his pocket. No, not today, but before uh, I came well, here. I mean, so it's the year of the eight ball. You don't but even saying, bring it? But that's what I'm using. <laughs> what? You can't even bring the eight ball? But here's the thing. I used it when I made <laughs> my bit, when I used my picks. <laughs> We're expecting you to bring some picks, and you can't even bring yeah. the eight ball that you said is going to no, help you. That's what I'm using now. at home. Woo. Yeah, it's hearsay. Woo. No. John, John's a negative five, I think. Brandon, no. I don't think you're too far. <laughs> Oh, before we get into our first UFC fight night picks, though, boys, uh, Brandon, rate, sub, follow, let the people know what we ask them to do each and every week of their lives. All right, guys, so it's a new year, so we're going to ask again, as we do every week, to just continue to try to grow and support the podcast. You can give us some follows on our social. We're on uh, Instagram, TikTok. We can be found on YouTube. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, we put some content on X occasionally. You can catch us in all these spots, but really just ask you this every week to continue to grow and spread what we're doing, try to get us some notoriety around the world. And what better way to do that than start the new year off by, by doing some of that. So please right. give us some, some support and love and uh, spread it. It's very important. At Neon Belly Podcast. John, you're like, I just had to close the curtain. John, you are beaming, brother. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, the, the, sun, the sun needs John's skin, or the John's skin needs the sun. Bad. I don't even know. There's not even a light on you. <laughs> like, well, this one is pretty much it's on the me. reflection of your glasses on him. Yeah. Is what it is. I mean, like, there's no light on John, and he is just like a ball of just. I don't even know what to do about this. Um, I can. Was he like glowing? Oh, he's like glowing. <laughs> like yeah, he's just like, I just see a beard. <laughs> Literally, uh, my goal is to hopefully get a first YouTube video over, out of this, and I just don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> John, would you ever consider a spray tan? No, <laughs> never. I, no. I mean, I'm like turning every light, closing blinds. I am just, uh, I'm not finding the paste here. Well, mm-hmm. both of those are facing me, so I don't know. It, if it's it may those. be that one. It could I be that know. one. I don't know. Um, that's all right, John. Summer's coming, brother. Hang in there. Boys, let's get to it. UFC Fight Night this Saturday, January 13th from the Apex uh, with a main card start time of 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And in our main event, um, and in the light heavyweight division, we have number two, Magomed Ankalaev, taking on number seven ranked, Johnny Walker. And boys, this fight is a, I guess you could say a rebook over a rematch, um, as these guys faced off at UFC 294 back in October. That fight ended in round one um, and was called a no contest after Magomed landed an illegal knee to Walker. Um, and the ringside doctor determined Walker could not continue. If you guys remember, the doctor asked him what country he was in. And everyone was kind of joking. The running joke was that, does anybody know what country Yaz Island is, let alone if you had just gotten hit in the head, right? Um, Even just adrenaline pumping, right? Like, forget the hit. Like, even if your adrenaline just going, that's that's a tough question to answer there in the moment. Um, But it happened so early in the fight, I just don't think there's much to tell us in either direction how that fight may have played out. Um, But looking at how both men came in before that meeting in October, Walker was riding a three-fight win streak uh, with wins over Iwan Kutalabe, Paul Craig, and Anthony Smith, while Ankalaev was coming in off his split decision draw against Jan Blachowicz, and that fight was for the vacant uh, light heavyweight title. 
Um, and before that draw, Ankalaev was on a nine-fight win streak in his career, boys. Uh, but man, back-to-back -back fights without a win or loss is interesting for Ankalaev, especially when one of those was for a title. Mm -hmm. um, and that last one with Walker could have easily have been a title eliminator. Uh, and now with Alex Pededa, almost seemingly without a contender, uh, with J uh, Jamal Hill still injured, not sure on his timetable. Uh, that would have been a good fight to have yeah. in the bag, right? Um, but do you guys see this as a number one contender matchup, I guess, heading into this? Um, I feel like it's, at the least, it's something you don't want to be on the losing end of. Yeah, I mean, I think it. I, I think Obviously. it makes. A, yeah, but I, I think as far as the number one contender slot, I think it makes a lot of sense, especially like you said, when you factor in Hill still being out. I mean, it's just tough to really see anyone else that really stands out. And Uncle Lev having just fought for a title recently. Um, Walker's making some noise. He's kind of always been in the conversation as a contender, uh, not number one per se. So I mean, yeah, I think I think that that's fair to say. Yeah, I think with Maga, I think I felt a little bit stronger of a, a definite for Ma if Magomed yeah, pulls this one. I kind off. of agree with that. Uh, for Walker, I think well, if Walker goes out and finishes Magomed and is very impressive, I think he he makes a big because that matchup with him and Alex would be you know fireworks uh, with their fighting styles. Um, the only other person who's even making any type of noise to move up that way would be like a Khalil Roundtree, but he's still a little bit further back. So mm -hmm. if one of these guys can pull off a big finish, I think that they could definitely put themselves in a position to be um, one of the next considered. And if we look at the tail of the tape, boys, both men, 31 years of age, Johnny Walker uh, with a slight reach or height advantage, excuse me, 6'7", to Magomed Ankalaev, 6'3", Johnny Walker, big reach advantage, 82 inches to Magomed, 75, uh, Magomed, a big favorite here uh, at the time of this recording is a minus 430, uh, Johnny Walker can be had at plus 300, so if you see some value there, I guess mm -hmm. uh, that's some good number on Johnny Walker. With all that though, boys, uh, we will begin with last place, Brandon. Who are you taking at not minus three to get you going here in 2024? <laughs> so, okay, um, I, I th you, there's not much to take from that last fight, like you said. I mean, there was a little uh, little takedown, I think, or little at least grappling initiation. Exchange, yeah. um, not but a, even that, you know, like you go to that real quick, it's mm -hmm. like uh, Magomed was doing a pretty good job, but Walker was also right before the knee, which is why the knee was thrown. He was getting up. He was working yeah. himself out of it, doing everything he needed to do, using the cage. So, mm -hmm. so I, the question to me, I, I think that uh, Walker, if like he's kind of had this weird trajectory where he started off in the UFC with these crazy strikes, mm -hmm. very flashy, fun to watch, and then he had some bumps in the road, and then he kind of reinvented himself a little bit and just kind of tightened things up. Yeah. And I feel like that last fight with Uncle Life, he showed shades of who he used to be. Yeah. I think if he does that, that's his route to victory. He's got to just be who I think he is, which is that fun, exciting fighter, but he's got to maintain the gas tank. Although, um, for me, with my pick, I'm actually going to lean Uncle Life here because I think if he initiates the grappling and can be consistent with it, I think he gets it done. I think he's uh, tight enough on the feet to to make it through any crazy stuff that Walker's got to throw at him. So I'm going to take Magomed Uncle Live, and I will say unanimous decision. Alrighty, John, who are you taking? I'm, I'm up three. Oh, you are? Yeah, I forgot. I'm first place, Ooh. baby. Second place, Nate. Ah, this is unfamiliar territory for me. <laughs> I'm going to do something that I've actually never done when a fight gets rebooked like that, and that is I'm going to flip from my original pick back in October uh, because back at 294, I went with Johnny Walker to win this fight, but I think the five-round aspect of this fight drastically changes things for me. Uh, you know, with that first matchup at 294, I felt like with it just being three rounds, Walker might have, have an opportunity at least to let go a little bit more 
more really use that dynamic striking without you know really any threat to the cardio um, and he may not have finished Magomed who has never been knocked out or TKO'd by the way um, but I thought he could have pulled off a decision possibly just from being the more dynamic guy going forward um, but I just don't have that same confidence in a five round fight if I'm being honest uh, Magomed has been five rounds twice technically never lost with one of those two obviously being the Yan fight um, a fight in which I did have Magomed winning by uh, mm -hmm. for whatever that's worth so we know he's more than capable right of going those five rounds and still looking very um, competitive uh, we've only seen Walker go all five rounds once and that was to Ti against Tiago Santos uh, back in 2021 and that's a fight that he lost by decision uh, also worth mentioning Magomed has never lost a decision he is 8-0 and when the fight goes the distance uh, plus the fact he's never been finished I just think it's a tough fight for Walker who I do think is capable of finishing for what it's mm -hmm. worth I mean this guy does have crazy power he can pull things out of his you know what uh, to, to get the fight done finish uh, but I wonder what kind of risks he will have to take especially in the later rounds if he knows he's down I do like this fight to go a little bit long uh, what did you say Brandon decision that's what I like I wouldn't be surprised by Magomed decision here um, but you know what let's go Magomed by fourth round KO TKO yeah, I um, I wonder what Kavanaugh is going to take from those first little exchanges. If maybe he feels like Magomed can lean him against the cage and kind of wear on him, and maybe they work to try to get off of that because that's that's kind of what I look at as far as you know what you're saying about Magomed not losing decisions and those type of things because I think he has a skill set for it. Mm -hmm. He has the type of striking that can keep him in um, some exchanges. He has the grappling and he has the gas tank to push through it. Sure. Um, so for those reasons, I am going to, I am going to go with Magomed. I think that I'm going with third round TKO. And I think that's kind of when Johnny Walker can, especially if Magomed is using his, um, you know, leg kicks using, you know, some of the leaning on the grappling, he can wear Johnny Walker down. And I do think that he's going to get some ground and pound, hopefully not an illegal one and, uh, get a W here. Absolutely, boys. Perfect. I like it. Moving in to our co-main event, uh, uh, and it's a big one as well in the flyweight division. Number five, Mataj Nikolai versus number six, Manel Kopp. Uh, we have another rematch on our hands, boys. And we will begin with Nikolai, who we haven't seen since April of last year when he suffered a first-round knockout loss to Brandon Royval. Uh, but before that loss, he was on a six-fight win streak with one of those wins being a split decision win over Kopp. Uh, but it's been all systems go for Starboy since that loss to Nikolai back in 2021 because since that fight Manel Kopp has gone a perfect 4-0 in his last four fights he comes in off his unanimous decision win over Felipe Dos Santos back in September um, if you remember he was supposed to face Kai Kara Franz in that matchup but Kai pulled out with a concussion um, I know he was getting some flack maybe for not finishing right that fight but you have to remember that was a short notice fight for Kopp as mm -hmm. well Felipe Dos Santos maybe a future talent as well he had, had a really good showing in that fight mm -hmm. um, but also had nothing to lose so um, I, know, I know we have Albazi versus Moreno coming up and winner of that will probably be next for the title if we're being honest but whoever wins this is probably won't be too far behind that yeah. um, so with that who do you guys like in this one minus three Brandon who you take <laughs> um, okay so this one was really tough for me I went back and rewatched the fight and it, the split decision was very accurate I think a lot of people from what I could tell like uh, fans and media it seemed like people were leaning a little bit more cough than what I had realized um, but the thing that stood out to me in that fight were the two takedowns for Nikolai so I, I tend to favor grapplers so I'm going to actually lean uh, Nikolai in this one so uh, I, th I think cop does have the ability to win on the feet he's got the better striking but I, this one's 
I'm not confident in this pick. So, like, I could see this fight going a multitude of different ways. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, again, I, I just kind of tend to lean on that grappling. I think the year off, hopefully, will kind of pay dividends here, or the the year since we've seen him uh, for Nikolai uh, and Cop. He's four. He's won his last four. But to me, I haven't been ultra impressed with performances in terms of what I think he's capable of. So I'm going to take Nikolai here, and I'm going to take another decision. I'm going to. I think he's going to lean on that grappling and get it done. Yeah, it's tough not to give Nikolai the advantage, having already beat Cop. And uh, but what makes this an interesting matchup is both of these guys very good counter strikers. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're going to be playing a high level chess game in there again this Saturday. Um, and one thing I love about Nikolai's game is he keeps everything very simple, but it's super effective like on the feet mm -hmm. he stays on the outside always keeps his back up against the cage i'm guessing that's maybe to for takedown purposes i don't know maybe he feels like he can defend better there and then he just uses lateral movement going left going right keeps his hands high and tight and then just kind of waits to land that big counter shot um but it really frustrates his opponents and, and that's where he finds his openings with those big overhand rights and lefts i mean he's just he's really tough to break down um and the big problem for Cop in that first fight was the output just wasn't enough. And we saw him struggle with that in his first UFC fight as well against Pantoja. Maybe it was nerves, maybe it was jitters, uh, but it definitely seems to be something he's fixed in his game after that loss to Nicolau. Um, and I think without a doubt, since these guys last fought, Cop to me is the one who I think has really elevated and improved himself. Um, again, whether it was confidence or tactically, I'm not sure, but he definitely seems a lot more sure of himself and kind of more like he belongs here, right? Even going back to that last press conference um, back in September, you know, going at Izzy, like, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? This, this dude's confident. He believes in himself. Um, and that's why I'm going to pick him. He just has to let go. We can't see cops in in front of Nikolau for three rounds again, right? Or this fight may look exactly like that first one did. Mm -hmm. He needs to trust his speed, trust his head movement and his vision and go. Those those three things right there from an L cop are elite. Even in this division where guys are all pretty fast and, you know, have that vision and stuff. So, uh, and if he does, I think he can pick Nikolau apart in route to a decision Brandon brought up a good point about those early takedowns. Um, I'm actually not too worried about that for Cop in this one. You go back to that Do uh, David Dovrak fight for a Cop, right? That Kimura, uh, uh, yeah, the Kimura from his back, you know, almost literally broke Dovrak's shoulder there. How he continued in that fight, I still have no idea. Um, but Cop uh, actually has a really good guard. Um, he has a couple of triangle and armbar, or maybe just armbar finishes from guard. So he's got a really good active guard. At least he's good enough to use it uh, to get up. Um, but, you know, like again, Nicolau did get the better of those early ones, but again, I just don't think that was the same cop that we're seeing now. Um, so, I, like I said, I will go decision for Manel Cop. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with decision. Okay. Yeah, you know, uh, I think that I agree with a lot of things you said about Cop as far as I feel like he has made a big jump in who he was since their last fight. Um, and Nikolai was on a good run too, obviously until he fought Roy Val. But one thing about Roy Val and cop that I kind of put into a thing is just having another level of striking. Yeah. Um, and just another gear. I think even if you look at that Dos Santos fight for cop early on, it was like, Oh, this guy, he maybe felt like this guy shouldn't be in a fight with him, yeah. but then he turned it on and then you seen that, okay, this is the another level. And I don't think he's going to make the mistake of not starting at that level with Nikolai here. So, um, and, I, and I really like Cop's foot movement too, to, or feet, like mm -hmm. the footwork to get away from some yeah. of the takedown stuff. I think he's just really believed in himself so much more. He does let go. I think he's just yeah. has a different type of uh, swagger about him, and I think that's something that can carry him. And I think he knows what is on the line in a fight like this, in a division like that that now has been shook up a little bit. So I'm going to go with Manel Cop as well. I will say, um, I think he can catch him. I'm going to say second round TKO. 
Alrighty, moving, uh, we're not going to do any more official picks, um, but I love this card, I sent it to you guys, I, I think there's a lot of like sneaky good fights, yeah. uh, rounding out the main card after our co-main, we have, uh, this is an interesting one to watch, Jim Miller versus uh, Gabriel Benitez, if you remember, you know, Jim Miller wants to fight in March on that UFC 300, um, obviously there's rumor of Paul Felder potentially being his opponent for that, Um but Jim Miller needs to get through Gabriel Benitez. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I mean, I, I don't know if a win is necessarily essential for him to make sure he's on that card, but he needs to get healthy. You know, like mm-hmm. we were talking about, this is a bit of a risk for a guy that has made that his you know goal to fight on that card, to fight here in January. You know, if he takes a big cut, um, maybe gets knocked out, you know, medical suspensions are a real thing and hard to overcome. So uh, that's something to watch in that fight. Uh, at least no matter what, I hope he's able to get through that healthy enough to turn around for 300. Uh, then you also have a amazing Bantamweight fight. Ricky Simone versus <laughs> Mario Bautista. That is a fantastic yeah. Bantamweight matchup. Cannot wait for that. Uh, and then the first card kicking off the, or first fight kicking off the main card, Phil Haas versus Bruno Fajeda. Somebody's going to sleep in that one. Yeah. That I can promise you. Um, then even moving into the prelims, you got Andre Arlovsky versus uh, Waldo Cortez Acosta. Um, big one there for uh, Cortez Acosta if he can find a way to win mm-hmm. there. Uh, moving down, you know, Matt Schimmel's ber- uh, Schimmelberger on this. Uh, three guys that you need to watch. Marcus McGee, uh, Fahid uh, Basharat, and Josh Van. Three guys that easily could have won our Newcomer of the Year award. Mm-hmm. Um, all three kicking it off right here early. Nicholas Mota's on this car. I mean, just stacked, man. This is one, uh, even for a fight night, I will literally be watching from that Josh, the first fight, which yeah. is uh, Josh Van. Because he's just on a tear, and I really think that dude can tear the flyweight division up heading into this year, and uh, probably guy that we're going to be talking a little bit more about later in the year. So great card here, boys, kicking off the Way year. Way to start. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. Um, and with that, we are going to move right into our 2000. 24 MMA bold predictions. As we mentioned, we do this every year. Uh, kind of just started naturally, like just having almost fun. Uh, and now we're turning it into a full blown segment. Yeah, it started as a one for the people. <laughs> yeah, at the end yeah. Of the year. No, 100%. Yeah, I think the first year it was a one for the people. And then last year I kind of just had like two or three questions. And then now we're doing like a full blown segment on it. Um, and that's how that's how things happen yeah. in, in this thing. We, we do it live. We just, mm-hmm. <laughs> It's natural, baby. Uh, uh, it's always fun, like I said, um, and how we're going to start, as we always do, I will first uh, recap what you guys answered for last year, um, and then I'll ask you for this year. Uh, so we will start with that. Um, and the, at the end of 2022, heading into 2023, I asked you guys, which champion would still be champion at the end of 2023? And John, you said Zhang Wei Li. You were correct. She fought one time in 2023 and defeated yes. Amanda Limoges. Brandon, you said Alexander Volkanovsky, also correct, uh, also only defended the featherweight title one time this year and defeated Yair Rodriguez. I went super, super safe and said Amanda Nunes. Um, uh, despite her retirement, the fact that the title is still vacant, I'll say I nailed it <laughs> <laughs> because why not? Yeah. Uh, so we all three got him right. Um, and I think, yeah. Let's go ahead and do that pick now. Okay. Um, what did I have here? 
Yeah. Okay. So let's start with John. Um, cause I, I will say this, uh, this is going to be a tough year, I think mm-hmm. to predict because I really, you're going to hear me probably say this a lot going into this. I really do think that we may see one of the most competitive years. You said this is a bold statement right off the top. <laughs> I think this may be one of the more competitive years, uh, we possibly see in the UFC. I think every title to me is up for grabs. Mm. Like there, I don't look at one champion right now and think they're untouchable heading into this year. Um, and I, I think, you know, last year there was a lot of like, we were like, oh, safe bet here, like Zhang Wei Li, Amanda Nunes, Volk, like they're all kind of safer picks going. In. I don't feel that way really about anybody. Yeah. Um, so this is a big one, I think. Um, so, John, yes, we will start with you. Which current champion do you think will still be champ by the end of 2024? I'm going with flyweight Alexandre Pantoja. Uh, I think he's very well-rounded, and I think he matches up really well with the top of the division. And I think with, especially with being able to be- beat somebody like Brandon Moreno, uh, who is equally as well-rounded and has done it at the highest level, I just think it's going to take somebody really special to beat him. And I don't know if that happens this year. So, sorry, go yeah, ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead, Brandon. I'm you're assuming good. that we can't pick the same. Like you don't want us because that yeah, was. Yeah, I be mean, my, if you wanted to, you can. Because uh, that was going to be my pick. Uh, I'll go different. Okay, I think I think that uh, Leon Edwards has a fantastic shot to to kind of reign at one seventy. I think he's shown that, especially with his obviously his last two title defenses. Um, he beat Colby, he beat Usman, two great wrestlers, and he out wrestled them. Like as John likes to point out all mm-hmm. the time. And one of the things that I, I don't I don't think that there's anyone in that division that I can see that's really gonna outstrike him or or wow. like ooh, ooh, I don't, okay keep going well keep okay going. i don't I, <laughs> I don't see anybody at 170 who's a better technical striker than I would he say is that, yeah i i can see him getting knocked out sure any anybody can get knocked mm-hmm. out but i don't see anyone that's going to be able to completely technically outstrike him and he's shown that he has fantastic grappling and wrestling credentials so i'm going to take leon edwards I'm, I, man, I'm, I'm, I don't know. This is tough because, like I said, I just don't see anybody as super safe. Um, I'll be honest with you guys. I'm really tempted to go Sean Strickland here, um, mm-hmm. just because I think when you look at guys coming up, you know, I think there's some guys that match up. But when you look at who's ranked one through six or seven, I think all oh, he matches up really. I think his toughest matchup is is Drikas, who we're going to see in two weeks. And I think if he gets by Drikas, he may end the year as the champion because I think he matches up against everybody else. And it's it'd take a lot for somebody lower ranked who I think actually may match up better than him to even get to a title shot this year. Um, so Sean Strickland is a really, really one that I'm considering here. Um, but I will... Um, I'm going to go, I guess, a little bit safer. I will say Islam Akhashev um, will still be champion at the end of 2024. And I think my main reason is um, presuming presuming that he does fight Charles Oliveira on, like, say, UFC 300 right before Ramadan, right? We're only going to get probably Islam one more time this year. And then you're looking at, like, Armand Sarukian. So when I look at those two matchups, you know, he's two guys he's already beat. Yeah, the Sarukian one was close. Obviously, you know, he did uh, Charles pretty dirty. Does Charles do better in a rematch? We'll see. Um, But Islam, obviously, you know, my biggest personal knock on the Daggy guys going to Khabib all the way back is they just don't rematch anybody, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And boy, Islam made me look bad on that one (laughs) by doing Volk like we've never seen Volk done. Um, so I will play it a little bit safer here, and I will say Islam Makhachev. But I, I will say, man, would not be surprised if uh, Sean Strickland is also still middleweight champ at the end of the year. Um, so moving to the next prediction we made, boys, which was which champion, we're going the opposite, will not still be champion 
at the end of the year. Last year, John, you were correct by predicting that Aljamain Sterling would not be the champ. Uh, obviously, he lost his title to Sean O'Malley. Brandon, you not only predicted Leon Edwards to not still be champion, but you doubled down <laughs> by saying it would be, a, quote, it would be really tough to pick him in a rematch against Usman. So not, not, only, not only did he win a rematch uh, against Usman, but he is still the uh, welterweight champion, which is funny that this year you're going opposite and you picked him to still be champion. Yeah. So. Listen, how what much can I, can yeah. What can I say? I mean, he, he, uh, he proved me wrong. Listen, he, I think maybe he listened, maybe he heard yeah. and he was like, I got to show this guy good, and, good on him. And, uh, yeah, that was just hilarious. <laughs> I thought I was cracking up listening to that in my bridge. Just cause you like literally just said the two things he did this year. <laughs> uh, and my prediction for champion who would not still be champion by the end of 2023 was Francis Ngannou. Tough one because he left the UFC and technically relinquished, but we do have a new champion, and it's not Francis Ngannou. So by hook or crook, I'd say I <laughs> predicted it right. Uh, uh, really two weird ones there for me mm -hmm. uh, with Amanda and Francis. Kind of not – well, one's a retirement, one left the UFC. So with that, boys, though, which current champion do you predict will not still be champion by the end of 2024? Um, take a risk here. Don't be afraid. Okay, well, um, I'm actually going to go with Sean Strickland. I think he fought his best fight against Izzy, but there's some really tough matchups, um, including the booked fight with Drikas. He could very well lose that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, a rematch with Izzy maybe later, Hamzat, Whitaker. There's people that he just didn't go through a little bit. And then even like a Brendan Allen who's coming up, um, depending on how things get matched up. And I also play a little bit into some of, you know, kind of what's been happening lately. I just, okay. it takes so long. It takes so much to become a champion and maintain it. I think that there's a lot of good fights for him. I did have an honorable mention of John Jones just because I think he's going to retire. Yeah. Thus making him not the champion, but I wanted to go with a more kind of thought out champion there. Yeah. The only thing I would say to that though, is there's also, you know, one thing, um, oh, what's his name? The boxing guy. Uh, the, the the older boxing guy that now is really into UFC. Oh, Teddy Atlas. I think Teddy Atlas said that whole thing about, you know, when a guy becomes a champion, he gets whatever percentage better. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we have seen that. Like, that's something that, like, is very true. So it will be interesting, you know, in his first defense. But I think we're going to learn a lot about Sean yeah. Strickland and what he looks like as a champion. And the good thing, we don't have to wait long, literally yeah. two more weeks. So, uh, but, yeah, I wouldn't be. Go ahead, Brandon. Who you got? I'm actually going to take Islam Mahachev. Interesting. Um, and it kind of ties into another one you asked, but I, I just really think that if he, if and when he fights Armand Sarukian, I really think that that's going to present some problems for Islam. And I can see uh, heavy is the crown. And I just yeah. feel like Armand, if anyone has a shot, I just think that he's proved that. And I, I just, something about Armand, man. So that's really more where that comes from. But I'm actually going to take Islam. Dude, I'm not even just saying this to like try to hedge my bets or anything. I'm genuinely would not be surprised if none of these guys are championed by the I just I really have this feeling, man, this is gonna be tough. Um, you know, Pantoja I think he's a good one, but dude, I really feel if Amir Abazi gets by Morano, that's gonna be a tough fight for Pantoja. You look at Sean O'Malley, right? Um I think O'Malley could get, I don't want to say lucky, but I think matchups could help O'Malley here because yeah. if he gets by Cheeto, you're probably looking at Mayrob next. And I think O'Malley, that's probably, he could just pick Mayrob apart probably. So Mayrob was my, actually my close second to yeah. who I was going to pick too. Yeah. Um, you know, then you, I mean, you just keep going through, man. And there's just matchups for all these champions, potential to lose. I'm going to go bold. Um, I, so I told you guys, don't, don't be afraid to get bold here. And I'm going to go bold. And I'm going to say at the end of 2024, Alexander Volkanovsky will not be featherweight champion. 
Um, boys, Ilya Toporia is for real. Yeah. And I think he is a horrible matchup. Well, not horrible. No, 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 not horrible. It's Alexander Volkanovsky. This guy's the go. He's a scary matchup for Volk. But even if he gets by Ilya Toporia, Mavzari Vloyov is not far off. Like, how nobody's talking about this guy to me is nuts. He's sitting here at number nine. And I think the biggest problem is nobody wants to fight him. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, because you look at guys above him like Calvin Cater, Josh Emmett, okay, maybe, uh, only because he's coming off a win, but like Brian Ortega, Yair, they're going to fight somebody. Max is still, like, those featherweight rankings are there, but I don't think they're exactly um, telling of where that's, this division stands right mm-hmm. now, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, that's, it's a bold one, but I'm, I'm going to stick to it. Yeah, I'm not mad at it. And lastly, uh, I asked you guys to predict one fighter who would win a UFC championship in the year of 2023. John, you predicted Marlon Chito Vera would defeat Aljamain Sterling. Um, didn't get it done in 2023. He does have a chance here yeah. in 2024. Not too far, then. Uh, Brandon, you predicted Benil Dariush would be a UFC champion in 2023. Uh, I will say 2023 is not a year... Uh, that Benil Dariush yeah, will want to remember in his. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he did get close, but no dice in the end. Um, and I so bravely predicted John Jones would be <laughs> UFC champion in 2023. And boys, was I correct? <laughs> uh, so I will ask you guys now, give me one current non-champion fighter who will become champion in 2024. So and I think this just kind of goes back to what we've been talking about with uh, who will stay, who will go, like having just so much parity in the in the championship. So I have Armand Sarukian. Uh, I think the storyline with Islam, uh, I think he has the best skill for skill matchup. And then I think, like you said, at the end of the year after Ramadan, I think he's a perfect matchup. And then my honorable mention was Ilya. I think that he has a he's a huge contender for Volkanovski, but I um, I knew that that could also be low hanging fruit because I think there's a lot of people who are starting to get on this Ilya train a little bit but i think armand and Ilya have a lot of a lot of opportunity there sure yeah so like i was saying my mine was actually going to be armand uh that was kind of my pick i just have a lot of belief in this guy in terms of what he can do and the fact that he's already fought islam once so um but a, a really close second for me i was going to try to to give the lady some love i was actually going to go with aaron blanchfield yeah. so uh, those would be mine so i yeah i was actually going to try i figured you guys were both going to go male fighters so yeah. i was going to go uh female i was going to go I mean, dude, let me tell you something. You want something to watch. The women's flyweight division, sitting at the top, obviously you saw Valentina under Garasso is number one. Aaron Blanchfield, number two. Mm-hmm. Manon Fiore is number three. Um, Chukagian's number, you know, four. Uh, but even like Macy Barber down at seven. But then you even just uh, move to the strawweights, right? Um, I- I'll go... Boy, I don't know. I, I, well, I was I was gonna try to give Tantiana Suarez some love that you know maybe she could you know beat Zhang Wei Li, but boy, that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough one. So I'm gonna stick with the one because um, I don't think whoever is holding this title um, isn't gonna leave this year without facing this man. I don't think this man leaves 2024 without a title shot. So I'm gonna go Shavkat Rachmanov mm-hmm. uh, will end the year as welterweight champion. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be my prediction. I just don't think whether it's Leon or Bilal who who gets out of that fight. Um, I just don't. I 
I don't think either of them gets out of this year without facing Shopcott. And I just think eventually he's just an eventuality mm-hmm. at this point to me anyways, is Shopcott. Um, and I'm going to ask you, so that is our, uh, the ones I asked you guys last year, I added a new one this year. Um, so we're going to go with a new prediction and that is who do you guys think will be the number one ranked pound for pound fighter at the end of 2024, John? So, I am going to put Leon Edwards. I think if he defends at 300 and again in London later this year, mm-hmm. I think that he would be putting together a huge year. And based on who he's going to probably have to beat to do that, um, I think that would be very tough to uh, keep him out of there. I did also try to – I did have an honorable mention of John Jones, but once again, if he retires, he might be removed from the rankings. So even if he does get the win, by the end of the year, he's probably off of it if that happens. But I'm going to stick with Leon Edwards. Brandon. Yeah, I was actually, this is really hard, by the way, just looking yeah. at the pound for pound, like, and trying to figure out who they're going to, because it doesn't, I don't feel like it fluctuates a ton. I was, that's what, um, I, so that's, I was going to say that in, and as kind of like when I got to mine, but yes, Brandon, you are, you are bang on. These don't move a whole lot, yeah. mm-hmm. but um, if we are entering into what I believe is going to be the most competitive year of UFC history, uh, we may see a lot of movement. Yeah. You never know. So, <laughs> I, I, so looking at it, I, I lean John Jones. I think I, when you factor in the retirement, I guess it depends on what you mean by the end of 2024. Like if he retires and they take him off, I understand that. But I think I see it changing, and I see if he beats Stipe, there's no shot they're not putting him at the number one of the top of the pound for pound. Um, but outside of him, man, honestly, I have a tough time seeing anybody reaching the top of it, no matter what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I can see who has a shot that just stands out to me is Alex Mahara. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's going to take some, some crazy stuff from him in terms mm-hmm. of maybe opportunities in other divisions or things like something like that to even entertain that idea. So I'm going to lean Jones. Yeah, I guess I should have ran through the top. So just the top five currently right now, as we start the year, Islam is number one, John Jones, number two, Alexander Volkanovsky, number three, Leon Edwards, number four, and Alex Pereira at number five. Um, interestingly enough, I am projecting three and four to lose their titles this year um so uh interestingly there that's pretty interesting there um i I agree with the alex thing i agree with the john jones thing um but the thing is if we only do get john jones once this year and we get islam mahashev twice and he defends both of those i don't think he moves off of that number one spot um so just like my champion to retain was islam i'm going to say i'm going to predict islam will retain his number one pound for pound ranking um not to say john jones won't maybe leap him if he does beat uh steep hay um because obviously that's about if that if that happens in the summer islam will be on his ramadan hiatus so but i do think eventually we will get islam again at the end of the year mm-hmm. um if he wins that fight i think he will jump back over especially if jones does retire right uh, which we don't know uh, but that's why this sport is the hardest sport to predict. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it is just unreal. Like, I was thinking about that when I was going back and listening to that Francis prediction, and I made that Francis prediction because I said John Jones was going to beat him. Um, wasn't even on my radar that Francis Ngannou would not only not be in the UFC, but would be essentially a professional boxer yeah. at this point, which we'll get to here in a minute. It's just wild, this sport, man. Mm-hmm. It is wild and even going back to the Aljamain you know thing is I feel like we even talked about that about but none of us mentioned Sean O'Malley yeah and then Sean O'Malley just had the year of like the Lord the same <laughs> I mean just came out of nowhere and just went <laughs> crazy on him dude so uh this sport is just so so tough to predict um 
I will say I got all my predictions right, though, for whatever it's worth. Yeah, I also wanted to add in with yours. Like, I feel like you should have to add a stipulation to your Volkanovski pick with it being so bold when he's kind of at the – towards the latter part of his career and he's uh-huh. entertained ideas of shifting weight classes. Are you saying that he's going to lose his title due to being beaten or due to vacating yes. it? I think I think he gets beat this okay, year. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's at I least think, something specific. I think, yeah, okay, that's fair. I think he gets beat at featherweight. Um, and when I say the end of 2024 – um, you know, say Ilya beats him and then mm-hmm. they rematch at the end of the year and, and Volk gets his title back, I will lose that because he, he ended the year as yeah. champion. Mm-hmm. So, again, it, it, it's a really tough prediction to make. Yeah. Um, but I did prove it is possible to predict it because I did get it right. So uh, <laughs> there is hope, you know, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to finish off, boys, by um, just kind of asking you guys some sort of rapid-fire true or false questions. Um, they are all still prediction based, but I'm just curious to see your guys' thoughts. And we will start with this one, boys. True or false? Uh, I'll kick it to John first. Francis Ngannou will have a mixed martial arts fight in 2024. I'm going to go true, but I think ironically, whereas before we really didn't care about his boxing opponent last year when we were talking about this, I don't think we're going to care about who they can give him. I think he's going to honor his contract and do something by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's going to be a big thing because I think he's going to probably want to get right back to boxing based off of who he's getting booked with nowadays. Mm, the con- so the contract's the only thing that, I guess, stands out. I I, I, th- I was going to say no. I don't. I, I think with boxing, I think with the money, I think with more than likely it's an easier sport to train for when you compare it with MMA. And I just think that the shot of him getting an MMA fighter, or I'm sorry, a, a boxer to fight him at MMA especially, I know that's being talked about. I don't see that happening. I just think boxers are too finicky. So I'm going to say no. But if the contract plays a role and he absolutely has to, sure. But if it's up to him, I would say no. I'm going to say false. I don't think he fights in MMA this year. Um, so I'm sure we'll, we'll get to it in the news, but it was announced that Francis is going to face uh, Anthony Joshua. So mm-hmm. we know, um, but I'm seeing, I think I saw that it's later this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really know the timeline. That's the only thing that makes me, because if it's like way later, say they're thinking like October, like end of the year, September, maybe even to the fall, I think he could fight MMA. The only thing I was trying to remember is I thought there was a stipulation that PFL said he had to fight for them. Yeah, that's what I was. I think that's what I was kind of remembering when I made that. But I just don't remember if there if that was. True. I'm pretty sure it was 2024. They were going to give him 2023 to figure out yeah. whatever box because I think they were thinking maybe that gets out of his system or okay, you do that now, you'll do this for it's us. It's just going to be really tough. See, I you said the opponent doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I kind of disagree. Like I well. I just don't think we'll care compared to what he's doing in boxing because I don't yeah. think they can get a big enough name to make you more excited, like for me personally, to make me more excited than seeing him box Anthony Joshua. Yeah, I'll, I'll stick to the false thing, but I guess if contractually he's obligated to fight, um, which is maybe why the Joshua thing is they're saying later this year because they know he needs to train for an MMA fight and then... Um, but maybe the PFL will be like, hey, man, just keep building your, making your star brighter and we'll be here when you're done yeah. kind of thing. I don't know. But, I mean, dude, if he goes out and beats Anthony Joshua, do you think you're reeling Francis back in for an MMA fight? Well, the only thing you bring him back for is John Jones, and that's never going to happen. It's so. never going to or, or a Deontay Wilder that's willing to come try mixed martial yeah. arts. You know, that that would be – that's like the only thing that I think would like maybe really call him back to the sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, just an interesting one off top. Next one, boys. True or false, Conor Mer- 
McGregor will have more than one fight in 2024. And I will say keyword, I told you guys being fight um, because I don't want to specify rule set here because we know how Connor is <laughs> and Connor's going to Connor and he's going to fight um, in whatever sport he wants to. Right. But do you think Connor McGregor will have more than one fight in 2024, John? True or false? I'm going to say true, especially if he wins because I think there won't be a fighter on the roster that won't try to get a fight with the four division, yeah. you know, star of the, of the thing. You're going to have everybody from you know, 45 to 85 evidently going to be trying to call him out to get a fight. Um, but even if he loses, there is the bare knuckles that he's been kind of tied to a little bit or even boxing if he can get some type of exhibition. I think he's just kind of, it, it seems like he's very anxious to fight now. So I think that this year maybe might be the last time you may see him fight more than one year, but I do think he does. So just again to specify, do you mean like a sanctioned fight? I'm assuming like you're not yeah, yeah, yeah. getting into a fight like <laughs> no, in the streets. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say no. I don't think he fights more than once. I just think that history, if history is a good predictor, no. Like he generally doesn't fight more than once a year. I know he had the little the the decent turnaround with Dustin, um, but I yeah, I just I think he's at a point where the money it, it just is what it is. And yeah, he'll fight, but I think after he gets this one. I think it'll be out of his system for another year or so, and then maybe he'll fight again, but it won't be two this year. I'm going to say false as well, um, and maybe even a bolder prediction. I'm not going to predict this. I'm just going to say I wouldn't be shocked if Conor McGregor doesn't fight at all this year. Mm. Um, and here's a lot of what it is. And I know you said he gets it out of his system. The reason Conor McGregor doesn't fight, I 100% believe, and this is what we've heard, this is what Conor says, We've, we hear constantly, it's not Conor McGregor, it's the UFC just doesn't know when to roll him out. Mm -hmm. um, but my problem with that is Conor McGregor has kind of had a history with injuries. And, and in training, like, you know, even like in the lead up to the fight where he broke his leg, you know, he hurt, you go watch that documentary, he'd hurry, he almost backed out of that fight, probably should have. Um, and my problem is here, now you're telling us that he may not fight until this summer against Michael Chandler. It's like, dude, you're kind of just giving him more time to get injured. Mm -hmm. um, and if he gets seriously injured, we're not going to see him at all. And that's why I just don't understand with the UFC. It's like, I get you want to like try to find this time to get the most eyes on it and sell it the most and this and that. And I, stuff that we don't understand logistically. Um, but... I do. I'm hoping he does at least get one in this year. Um, but yeah, I just don't see a pathway to two, whether it be through injury or whether it's the UFC. Like, whoa, I don't know. Maybe we save him for this or mm -hmm. that, and and just kind of kicking the can down the road. I hope I'm wrong about this. I would love to see him get active again. Um, but you know, you go back to a couple years ago when he was like, remember he wanted to fight four times in a year, and they mm -hmm. just wouldn't let him. They, probably, so, they might not be able to afford it <laughs> as much as he makes. Oh, no, they can afford it. Come well, I mean, they I mean, from it. them, they yeah. can't. Next question, boys: True or false? Winner of John Jones versus Stipe Miocic will fight Tom Aspinall in 2024. I'm going false. Um, which I, I I framed it as will John Jones fight Aspinall in my head more? Um, because I that's just how well I, I think how, that's how I say yeah that's I how you worded it so I that's how I, it so the, under the pretense of will John Jones fight Tom Aspinall I said I it, was letting my predictions get yeah <laughs> I'm saying false because I think if he really wanted to fight Tom he could bypass Stipe who hasn't won a fight since 2020 but also Stipe has talked about he intend to stick around to fight if he beat Jones to try to set up something with Aspinall mm -hmm. they went back and forth this week on Twitter. Um, so if he's willing to do that, I think that John Jones could technically probably push to fight Tom Aspinall, but I don't think he wants to. I think he wants to get this win, um, line up the stars to beat Stipe, and then kind of ride off into the sunset. But I hope I'm wrong because that's a fight I really, really want to see. Mm. 
you know, the whole time, the, when you sent us a week ago, like you sent us these, like the yesterday, the, the whole, t- oh, was it just yesterday? <laughs> well, okay. 2023. <laughs> it's been, a, it's been a week for me. Guys. It's been a day. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> so it, it was a 24 hours li- looking at that. I, the whole time looking at it, I was like, okay, absolutely no shot. Jones. Oh, you know what? Sorry. Real quick. I think I told you this one at Jiu-Jitsu. I think I was telling you I was going to do this. And this was one of them that I brought up at jujitsu. Mm. I think I told you that, hey, I'm going to have rapid fire, like, and I was going through, and I think this was one of them. Uh, so maybe. That might, might be. have been trying to save me there. But I, it felt like I spent a lot of time thinking about this, and the whole time it was very clear cut. But as I'm sitting here, I'm like, man, John Jones might be that guy who all these people talking this stuff about he doesn't want Aspinall, he won't do it, he won't do it. And uh, he had that interview somewhat recently where he talked about the fight with Reyes. I don't know if mm-hmm. you saw that. And he talked about kind of having this thought to himself of, Oh, just kind of let him have it. And then mm-hmm. he decided to screw that. I kind of feel like there might be a little bit of that with the Aspinall thing. So I'm actually going to say true. I think he might want to do one more if, yeah. if he gets through Stipe and just be that guy to say, you know what? I took out your best guy and I'm still going to leave just to show that I'm the best. So I'm going to take, I'm going to say true. I want to say the only thing that's holding me up on this aspect is the 2024 part of it because we still just do not know when John mm-hmm. Jones and Stipe is going to happen. And one thing about John Jones and Stipe is those guys are not active, uh, no. you know, by any means. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we see John Jones and Stipe in the summer and then we don't see either of them for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the sake of it, I will go with true as well. Because I think if you're going to re- if if either of these guys are considering retirement, um, I think you got to go. You got to turn around quick. You don't mm-hmm. want to sit on the couch and keep thinking and letting that linger and get lazy and give Tom Aspinall more time to get better. So I will go true because, and I'm going to say the the main thing I want to get out across here is if either Stipe or John Jones, whoever wins that fight, does fight Tom Aspinall to unify those titles. I think Tom Aspinall 100% deserves all the credit for that fight happening because he is already right now, well, really for the last month and a half, since he won the interim title, has done a fantastic job of selling the fight against either of them, calling them out, making a claim to what he getting wants. Getting responses. Getting responses now out of Stipe as recently of like yesterday or the day before. He has Stipe on Twitter like full-blown, like if I win, it's, I'll take you. I will fight one more because <laughs> he's got Stipe that mad. <laughs> um, and I think what Brandon said about John Jones is everything I was going to say. You're spot on with that, I think. John Jones at the end of the day is a competitor. I don't think that competitive spirit, whether he wants to fight or not, is going to go anywhere. And Tom Aspinall has not, sh- and, and I don't mean this in a bad way, has not shut up since he won that interim belt, and it ain't going away. His response <laughs> to John Jones is what killed me. Sorry, John. After yeah. John Jones went on this whole story, yeah. like, you need to respect me, yeah. blah, right. blah, blah. You're right. Oh, Sorry, John. Yeah. Oh, he's, and, and that probably pissed John Jones off more than if he oh, yeah. came back. So. I think, yes, Tom Aspinall will fight one of these guys. The 2024 aspect, they, it could happen mm-hmm. um, as long as we get that fight in the summer. Um, but I think Aspinall has done a fin- – for as messed up as that interim title situation has been, I think Aspinall has nailed it 100% mm-hmm. and deserves a lot of credit for if that fight – if he can lure one of those guys out for one more. And even saying he'd be willing to fight the winner of Almeida and Blades if that doesn't work out, like just saying – basically just keeping his name active in people's minds is, is really smart. 
And um, I guess this one kind of ties in a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you can have one without the other here. So the next question, true or false, boys, Alex Pereira will have a chance to become the first ever three-divisional UFC champion by challenging for the heavyweight title in 2024. Um, and again, I told this to just to specify, not saying he will achieve, that's not what I'm asking, that he will achieve three-divisional champ status, but just that he will have a chance to in 2024. So... Kind of basically how you said they tie in. Basically, by me saying false, it's because I said true to this one. Um, I do think that there's a world where Jones and Sipe both retire after their fights, and there's an opportunity for Aspinall to claim the vacant, and the UFC could very well deem Alex a bigger draw because of the whole three-division thing than somebody like Surreal Gang Gone or you know Almeida or somebody like that. So I think that he he might very well get that opportunity. So you're saying true? Yep. Yeah, I think if that's going to happen, that's the way it's going to go down with him and Aspinall. Um, but I, for me, I think it's more likely that it's going to be sort of a, announced in 2024, and he's probably going to get the shot to do it mm. probably around 2025 would be my thought. Yeah, I'm going false here. You know, I, I think I do see a route where it happens, but it's going to have to be through like an injury. Somebody lo- drops out a week before a fight, and he raises his hand and, and, and is willing, like kind of like we've seen um, – Volk got his shot um, against um, Islam that way. I think it'll be something like that. And that's what it's going to take because we got Curtis Blades and Almeida, right, Mm -hmm. coming up. And, dude, whoever wins that fight, that would be so tough to take. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I know... I know Pereira is still the biggest fight, and we know the UFC will do what the biggest fight is, but I just think there's still enough guys there at the top of the heavyweight division that it's going to be tough for him to do that, and I think there is really big fights in 2024 at light heavyweight for Pereira. Jamal Hill is going to come back. Izzy's a potential. We don't know, um, but uh, that's why I think that it will not happen in 2024. I do think it happens. I think it's an eventuality, but Mm -hmm. I don't think it happens this year. Um, And I just said it right there, but our next true or false is Israel Adesanya will fight in 2024. Um, And I specifically said, if true, it will be at 205 pounds. I'm going to say, I'm saying if you're going true, will it be at 205? I'm going to say true. um, And I'm not a hundred percent sold on 205. Time out. Let's do, let's do, okay. Let's do it a two-parter just real quick. Will Izzy fight in 2024? I'm saying true. True. I'll say true. Okay. Will it be at 205 pounds? That's where it gets interesting because there is a weirdness and uncertainty at 205 with where guys are at. Jamal Hill, is he going to be healthy guys are vacating there's so many things that happen um so he could get a shot at alex's belt but i also could see a world where he could try to get himself into the winner of strickland do play c because of that storyline and might look to get his title back but i do think he fights in 2024 is it at 205 brandon i don't i'm gonna say no false i don't i don't think so i think these these like pictures and stuff coming out with him looking pretty beefy but i don't i'm still not convinced that that's a transition that he's gonna make uh completely I think it's true. I, I think Izzy fights this year, and I think it is at 205. I have a feeling it may be him versus Pereira uh, as our three, UFC 300 main event. Mm-hmm. I think that is a massive fight, and I'm definitely worthy of main eventing that card um, with Islam and Charles as the co-main. Um, but um, I think it happens. I think, well, I mean, you know, you even, I just I, I just closed out of it, but I mean, you even look at middleweight, right? Um, whether he thinks he can come back and beat Strickland or not, 
um, you know, or the Drekus story, you know, that there is a bit of some unfinished business there. Um, but man, like, what are you going to do? Come back and fight Whitaker again? Who's at like number three? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, I just don't know. Hamza? You're going to go Vittori. I mean, yeah, maybe Hamza. But I mean, if you're Izzy, you're going to come back to fight a killer like Hamza. I should have added this, but I don't know if we see Hamza in 2024 yeah, based off that picture true. we yeah. saw of him. Holy cow, man. Um, but yeah, it's just like, I kind of side with it because I feel like Izzy's kind of said in a roundabout way of like, I think he's almost bored with that division in a sense. And I, mm-hmm. I don't blame him. Like, you can come back and fight Cannoneer, Vittori, I mean, Costa, I mean, Whitaker. Like, these are the guys that are going to be competing at the top of the middleweight division this year outside of maybe Dreek. I mean, if he if he wants to sit back, I mean, like I said, we get Strickland and Dreekus in two weeks. Right. Maybe he's sitting there like, let me see what happens there. It's two weeks away. It's two weeks away. <laughs> yep, January 20th. Um, so, you know, maybe he's sitting back, like, let me see what happens there. If Drekus wins, I'm back. I'm coming for Drekus. But I think if Strickland wins, it's like, I mean, do you really want to come back for that fight? I mean, I think there's bigger things for him at 205. And, um, that, that's my prediction for Izzy this year. I think it's at 205. Here, okay. Let me ask. Do you think, do you think he fights at 205? If it, let's say that it's, it's not going to be LX. Let's just say for whatever reason, it can't be LX. Mm -hmm. Uh, he goes to heavyweight or whatever. Do you think he still fights at 205? Yeah, man, because I would love to see him versus Rakic or him versus Yuri or, um, I mean, him versus Hill would be... I mean, there's I just think there's funner matchups now. Like I said, I, I the only thing I will say is now sitting here like saying that all out loud is I do believe that if if, if Drikas wins, he might... He might go with Drikas, and, and that could end up main eventing 300, mm-hmm. you know, depending how that fight with uh, Sean and Drikas goes. Uh, but, man, outside of that, it's like I just don't know what else you come back for. Yeah. If it's not a title shot against a fresh opponent, um, maybe he wants to avenge that Strickland loss. But, yeah, I just don't yeah. see it. And that's why I said it, it. That's why I'm not 100% convinced at 205 because if he does get a chance to fight Drikas, he's taking it. Yeah. Even, even with the Strickland thing, I think, you know, after getting the get back with – Alex, I think that he he probably would like a chance to get the get back with Strickland as well because that just seems kind of part of his like kind of redemption things right. that he he likes to follow. Next question, boys: True or false? Michael Venom Page will go at least two and zero this year and will be in the title picture by the end of two thousand twenty-four. Um, and I want to specify why what I mean by this is uh, he will beat Holland, then beat a top five-ish guy. I said like Gilbert Burns or Sean Brady, someone who with a win over them will give him real claim to the title going into 2025 i'm saying true um i think he very much has the talent to get two meaningful wins this year and i think uh with the potential of not only a fight with leon but doing it in london the ufc will book him in a way to try to get the best chance to achieve by the end of this year being able to set that up um because it just kind of writes itself out as long as especially as if leon is still champion that's a tough one. I, I'm actually going to lean false. I think, and the the reason I'm saying that is you, wait, your your little point there about him fighting somebody in the top mm-hmm. five. I I have a tough time seeing him beating somebody in the top five. It's possible, but I think like Chandler, if you look at his you know entry into the UFC, he storms on the scene, beats Hooker, and then you, you know you put him in front of Oliveira, Gaethje, Poirier, these guys, mm-hmm. and it was a different story. Um, so I think the same was probably going to hold true for for Page. I mean, he's how old is he? He's in his late thirties, yeah. Yeah, like 35, 36 yeah, maybe. So, so I'm actually, know, he might be like 33. Uh, I can't remember. I feel like he's older than that. But I'm going to say false. Yeah, I'm going false as well because here's the thing. like We don't know what he's going to look like against UFC opposition. You know, well, I guess you could say presumably tougher opposition, fight to fight at least. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So even if you, but I think my thing is, so I'm more looking past that. Like I'm not even so much as like, I don't know if he can hang because we just don't know yet. We'll see the Holland fight. That's a great test for him. Uh, My main reason is because since 2019, he just hasn't been super active. He fought once in 2020, once in 22 and once in 23, Uh, only fought twice in 21 uh, Mm -hmm. since 2019. So I don't know how active he's going to want to be even to get himself in that spot. Um, I guess it'll probably depend what does happen happen in that Holland fight maybe if they go to the UK that'll draw him out for Mm -hmm. another fight Um, so that's why I'm saying more no because I think obviously we know he's going to fight Holland and I think the only way we see him again this year is if they go back to UK and they can Mm -hmm. get him to to come out and fight again well in the last couple years it seems like he's wanted to fight more they just haven't booked him sure and and maybe it is because he was a bigger talent and they wanted to save him for situations but i do and especially with him signing this contract he's probably gonna he probably liked the number that he got so maybe he is a little bit more motivated because maybe being a little bit older or seeing the opportunity to try to move up in that division uh one that i added i just didn't send it to you guys because I actually added it this morning. Is true or false? So last year, right, we said um, it was in our trivia last week. Eight divisions saw either a new champion or title relinquished in 2024. Uh, uh, yeah, 2023, excuse me. So I will say true or false. We will see a new champion in at least five divisions this year. I would say true. I think that there's a lot of a lot of matchups. I do think there'll be uh, maybe a few more champions that hold on this year, but uh, I, I will say at least five could definitely change because there's. I mean, even if you just look at some of the matchups or some of the parity with people maybe moving out, people trying to move up and do other things, and and new challengers moving up, I think that that's very plausible. I say true. Yeah, I say true as well. I think, like I said, I think we're in for a big shakeup this year. I'm. I know I've made that point several times. You're gonna make us call them out. Which ones we think they are? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'll say like 35, I think, I could see 45, I could see 55, I could see women's uh, flyweight, and uh, how many is that, four? You're at four. And then one more, yeah, 205, yeah, I could see that. All right. Dude, I didn't even think about that. I was talking to Jacob, he said Jamal Hill would be his one guy that will end the year as a champion. I it's not a that. champion now. I could see that too, man, I think that. He thinks he beats Alex. I think that. You know, there's a lot of parity in the in the higher divisions just because of some of the matchups. Um, I think the lower guys might have, like I said, I really do think Pantoja will hold. I think that Wei Lee could hold. I think Garasso could hold. So there's, you know, there's four or five divisions I think can hold. But oh, dude, I think if Garasso yeah. holds this year, we're talking like the greatest female fighter ever. I mean, and that's like that's whoever that that belt might just be a flip flopper for mm-hmm. a while. I mean, that division at the top is just ridiculous right now. We just never seen a girl that can stay you know, pound for pound up with Valentina yeah. two fights in a row, defeating her in one. So I just think I have a lot of um a lot of faith in what she's been able to do in the um just the well roundedness of her. But yeah, I think at least five, but I'm I'm not I, I would say the higher divisions have a little bit more move just because one shot changes everything. You won't even put any out there. I know, he didn't mm-hmm. say one. I'll say, yeah, I will say two oh five could be different. I'll say welterweight, featherweight, bantamweight Men's flyweight and women's um, 
uh, straw weight, yeah. uh, I think could be our, our difference. Again, I'm not so sold on, you know, we'll see with Strickland. I mean, I could see it, but he just got that weird way of like proving people wrong. Maybe I could throw heavyweight in there, you know, because like if John Jones does relinquish, mm-hmm. but that, that, that title's not going to sit vacant for long. But if he does relinquish, it would count towards that because we would have a new champion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we're going to get a big shakeup. Next one, boys, true or false, Patty Pimblett will be ranked in the top 15 of the UFC's lightweight division by the end of 2024. False. I'm taking it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking about Patty for a while. Yeah, I'm gonna you say can go false. ahead and jump in. Do you have anything else to add? No, it's just false. I just, I'm not convinced. Uh, I just don't think that the skills are quite there. Um, I, you know, okay, I'm still staying false, but I'm going to go one step further. Even if he does crack top 15, he's not cracking top 10. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, that's a big leap. So. Uh, I'm saying false as well. And, um, you know, part of my, I do have a little bit of a hang up and it's going to apply to the next question as well. But obviously it's all documented that we don't think he can beat anybody in the top 15. Um, But I do see that there's a world where if he keeps beating people outside the top 15 and people in the top 15 keep losing, he could see his name pushed up into like the 15, 14. It really doesn't work anymore. Nowadays, you usually have to be, because the media does. Usually, but Patty Pimblett isn't. Yeah, the, I think the UFC treats him a little bit different. It's not the UFC that that's what I'm saying. Now that the media basically do the rankings, typically for them to vote a guy in, you have to be somebody in that top 15 nowadays. I'm, I guess if if some of like the 15, 14, 13 guys all lose, then I, I don't know, dude, dude. That's not true either. Look at to the bottom of some of these rankings. Like some of these guys that are still hanging on to spots and are on losing streaks is insane. Yeah. So. I think false as well. I think he's going to have to make a huge leap from what, you know, we just saw in that Tony fight. I mean, yeah, because he's going to have to, you know, just to get in, you're going to have to beat a Drew Dober, Bobby Green, or Moicano, and I just don't see that. Bobby Green, by the way, I think is going to be his next opponent. That, there's a prediction. I think mm-hmm. I just that's how they've booked him. It's a good fight coming off the Tony fight I think you him. said that. I think you said that after he yeah, left his just, last fight. Oh, yeah. I just think it makes a ton of sense. That's kind of where they're booking him. So I will say false as well, boys. True or false, Bo Nickel will be ranked inside the top 15 of the UFC's middleweight division by the end of 2024. Go ahead. Okay, I'm going to say true. Um, I think for as much as we've pushed for Bo to get bigger names, I think the UFC will be forced to give him a matchup this year as he can't maintain being this this headliner bravado if he's not if he's facing prelim talent. Uh, I could see a similar situation where you know he just gets at the bo- like a bottom guy of the fifteen and kind of gets his way in there. I don't know if he does two fights at, at, at that point, but I just think that you can't keep billing him as a main card guy and you're giving him these kind of you know prelim, maybe toward the top of prelim type of guys. Yeah, I'll say true. Um, barring him getting severely injured and him being out of you know com- of competition for a lot a while, but how many? How he's been in the UFC for how long? Was it? A year or two years? Wait, yeah, he did the Dana White. Uh, this was his first full year in the UFC. And he fought well, how twice. many times? Jamie Pickett and Val Woodburn. Okay, so at that rate, he, I feel like he's got to fight three times. But uh, I'll say true. Sorry. I'm going false. Um, because I here's my thing. Okay, he's going to fight Cody Brundage. If he, be, if he beats Cody Brundage, um, they're probably going to try because they are taking their time with him. So they're probably going to try to give him somebody just inside that top 15 um, of the middleweight division. And that's tough, man. And here's the thing. And this is where I think almost the bookings are going to let Bo down a little bit is they've been kicking the rocks on or kicking the tires on Bo for so long. I think Bo's going to have to get in there and really learn. That's how he's going to have to learn. I think mm-hmm. he's going to, he might have to take that early loss to like a top 
a guy from 15 to 10. I'd have to look at it again. I close it out. I shouldn't have. Um, Kai Bohalo. Kai Bohalo. Like Anthony Fluffy, Hernandez. Fluffy. Chris Curtis. Like those are three tough guys for a guy like Bo mm. just to come in. Ton, guys that are super experienced. I mean, a guy like Fluffy ain't going to stop coming at you. And I think Bo's going to have to get in there. And, and I mean, we'll see. Not saying he can't be one of those guys, mm -hmm. but just wouldn't be shocked if his first crack at a ranked opponent um, he kind of gets served up there a little bit. And, and again, I, I blame more the UFC on that because they've just pushed him along so slowly. I mean, there's an argument that, you know, let him get used to it and stuff like that. Maybe that'll help him. Um, but I'm going to go false. I'm going to go bold there. Uh, next one, final one, boys, true or false? <laughs> kind of a, I don't know, we'll see. I don't want to say a funny one, but <laughs> Tony Ferguson <laughs> will fight in the UFC in 2024. I'm going to say true. Uh, unfortunately, you can't force retirement per se. And although Dana did say he wishes Tony to retire, there's still a big following for Tony. Mm -hmm. And um, it seems like he doesn't want to leave. So as long as he's on the roster at some point, they'll use him for something. Yeah. I, I do think he fights, but I think it'll be whatever it is. This is the last. I think that they'll try to give him a send off, um, but I, I don't think he fights more than once. I think he'll fight in 24, 24 but I think it'll be his last one. Yeah, unfortunately, I think it's true as well. I think if he wasn't going to fight anymore in the UFC or they weren't planning on him, he would have been let go by now. Um, you know, maybe they wanted to get through the holidays before they let him down. But, I mean, it's been a couple weeks now, and there's no Tony news. Um, and they did let Sam Alvey go nine fights without a win, and Tony is only at seven. Um, so, unfortunately, there is a precedence there. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say, and I'm again, I told you guys, there's not many guys, you know, I was very much like Tony needs to go, whatever. But I will say, I think there's one fight left for Tony. And that is, give me, t at UFC 300... On the prelims, maybe main card. Tony Ferguson versus Jim Miller. Paul mm. Felder, you're out. Yeah. I think it's a big fight. I, yeah. I, I just, or you could do Tony versus Felder. Um, but, but I do think given that, like two guys, you know, let them go out on their shield, yeah. double retirement yeah. fight. Jim Miller said he doesn't want to retire. That's what he just said this yeah, week. Yeah, he may not. I, I mean, he's only, he's, <laughs> who knows? he's like, He's won four of his last five. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just who knows? think it's, you know, but either, either way, it's two yeah. guys right on the border there. Um, it's a good one for Tony to send I off just, on. yeah, I just think there's just nothing more for him after that, honestly. Um, so, yeah. And I mean, you know, like Paul Felder, you know, there's always going to be guys for a Paul Felder. Uh, but yeah, so that's, I do think, like I said, with the Sam Alvey thing, I went and looked that up. I just, I was like, I know Sam Alvey went on a crazy streak, nine fights without a win. One of them was a draw. Or maybe it was a no contest. But like like I said, unfortunately, there is a precedence there where they have allowed guys to go yeah. a little bit past the expiration date there. Um, and as we finish, boys, as always, I ask you guys to make um, any other bold predictions that you may have that we didn't discuss. Um, last year during this segment, John, you uh, boldly predicted um, that we would have a new double champ. Uh, Volk was the only man, to my memory, who even attempted it. Did not succeed. Um, and Brandon, you really boldly predicted that Bo Nickel would fight someone in the top five. Um, unfortunately, Ugh. Jamie Pickett and Val Woodburn didn't make that happen for you, yeah. uh, but a very bold prediction nonetheless. That's why this is fun. Uh, so we will start with John. Any big, bold predictions that maybe we didn't discuss? Um, one of them we kind of discussed. I do think that there'll be at least four divisions that have the same champ by the end of the year. Okay. Um, and another one I have is the 205 title will not be vacated this year. Okay. 
And then my actual big one is I think Umar is going to end up in the top five by the end of 2024. All righty. Brandon. It's my end two. And the whole the recent thing with the illness kind of has thrown it off a little bit. But my my first one is going to be that Hamza Chamayev will lose a fight mm. this year. This year. Um, if That's he, bold. If, if he fights more than once, I think he loses. Now, the chances of him fighting more than once, we'll see. That's bold. But I just do, I like I do think he loses. And my other one is kind of a weird one. But looking at uh, Justin Gaethje... Benil Dariush and Michael Chandler. I think one of those three is going to retire this year. Ooh, really? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I will say... Did you I, make a bold prediction last year? I, I did not. Okay. Um, My bold prediction is just that everyone has fun. I think everybody's <laughs> going to have fun. I think everybody's going to go in there and, and do the thing, you know? Um, I really... I'll say this. I will have two. I'm going to say... I'll, I'll go with two. My bold predictions are... Max Holloway fights at lightweight, mm. and Dustin Poirier moves to 170. Nice. And I think, because I want to see... It might be necessary. I want to mm. see Colby Covington versus Dustin Poirier at 170. That's what yeah. I want to see. I think that is a huge fight. It's I, one of the last like grudge matches. UFC 300, anybody? Yeah. I mean, that's a great fight for UFC 300. Yeah. I, I, I would love to see that fight. Um, so I guess that'll be my two. I didn't okay. really plan those. I, I really, my bold prediction was just everybody's going to have fun. <laughs> John, let's get into the news. <laughs> You can't predict people to have fun. Uh, you can. It's just terrible. I think everybody's gonna have. I think everybody's gonna have fun. And guess what? I'm gonna be right. Yeah. We have a done deal for a huge ten round boxing match, as we said before, between Anthony Joshua and Francis Ngannou. They will be fighting in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, there'll be a press conference January fifteenth in London with more details. Like Nathan said, we don't know exactly when everything's happening. Uh, this comes after Joshua defeated Wallen in Riyadh in December, keeping up on his side of the deal to fight Deontay Wilder later in the year. But after Wilder lost his fight with Joseph Parker, it now seems that Francis is getting that shot. Uh, I thought this matchup brings up some irony with Dana White initially saying mm -hmm. on Francis's boxing, saying something to the lines of, this is a gimmick, and Anthony Joshua isn't looking for gimmick fights. He's looking for the best fighters in the world. Yeah, he and specifically that. said Anthony yeah. Joshua and that whole thing. And that, like, for, he's like, I think it was like, wasn't it like he said, like, he thinks he's got some big boxing fight with, like, Anthony Joshua or right. something. And here he is going into just his second professional boxing fight of all time. Uh, and going against probably two of the biggest, he's now will have fought two of the biggest heavyweights of the last of a generation. Yeah, you split decision the best, and then now you're fighting Anthony yeah. Joshua. Um, so yeah, now we're here, and Francis is not only a legitimate boxer, but he is on Joshua's radar and is a serious fight uh, for all those guys. Yeah, you know it's funny because I was thinking the other day, I'm like, man, I remember like, oh, there's no way. Tice, like Tice, he doesn't have a chance against Fury. He doesn't have a chance. Obviously, we talked about it, and then he goes out and does what he does. And I'm like, man, like, is it just that, like, I was like, you know, obviously with the whole like Connor and Floyd thing, and, like other like maybe just the lighter guys are just is is heavyweight boxing just not that good? Like I guess that's kind of like is it that like Francis is really like that good, or is it that heavyweight boxing just isn't as you just don't need to be as technical or as good of a boxer? I guess I'll say because then when you think about it, it's like well, like look at Deontay Wilder, he got really far with not a lot too, right? Until he ran into somebody who had a lot more boxing skill sure. than him, and I think that, but I think there I think there's a little bit of parity because heavyweights obviously you're punching hard you can get tired yeah but i think one thing that we have to kind of credit francis for is look what he did in a short amount of time in mma i mean he got yeah, into it good. way late it's a great point um and he's only and then same with boxing it's his late but i think he's just a little bit of a different type of guy yeah maybe he's just like just like a natural i mean that that's a very good point for what it's worth i do think deontay wilder did beat tyson fury 
he knocked him out. Yeah. I mean, he did not get up. What is it? A 10? Like, it's a 10 count? You get a 10 it count. Wasn't it, like, 20 seconds? Like, so they've, they've got, like, clocks on it. I think it ended up being, like, 12. Because he, like, went over to Wilder and then, like, for yeah. two seconds and then he went over. and Because yeah. usually what the ref is supposed to do when a fighter falls is as he's pushing that fighter, the other fighter to the corner. He's, be counting. he's supposed to be counting. So when he goes back over. Yeah. So he did, he did beat him, by the yeah. way, for what it's worth. Uh, so now we get a little bit of insight into why Hamzat Chemaev isn't fighting for the title after it seemed like he was told that uh, such after defeating Kamara Usman. Uh, Hamzat took to X for posting pictures and revealing that he's been sick. Quote, I'm very sick. My hand is injured, so I couldn't return right away. I want to see myself in battle more than all of you. I love this job, and I will do and prove that I am the best as we do. Yeah, I mean, I, I, he's kind of a guy that, like, just is like a sickly dude, man. Like, remember, yeah. like you remember the COVID stuff almost? They said killed him. Wanted to almost. retire. Yeah, I mean, it makes me worry. You know, I don't want to see, like, a Zabit thing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, or something where like a guy like almost has to like medically, medically retire before we finally get to see or, mm. you know, what could have been kind of thing. But the huh. pictures, man, that yeah, those pictures, the, the one that really threw me off was like his skin being real blotchy, like all yeah. over, like what is his face looked all swollen and puffy. Like he was, had an allergic reaction to something. Mm-hmm. And he said his hand, and it looked like it had like an IV in it. So I wonder if he hurt it and it maybe got infected. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But that seems to be an issue with him. And, and maybe what you just said, like maybe he's, cause they, they said that's what killed him with the COVID it is he kept training mm-hmm. and it just destroyed his immune system maybe he injured his hand got infected and he was like still going to the gym or you know injured his yeah. hand and was still training through it and it got on i don't know you know it's it's hard telling but this kind of seems to be coming a weird theme for hamzat that does worry me for a guy that does have so much potential well know? and a lot of pressure you yeah. know he had, he comes from the stuff with this country and then he moved to the saudi Arabia or the uae to train mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of stuff going on on for him to try to get to this and i think a lot of people are really backing him i just hope he takes care of himself first yeah no 100 because i would hate for to have like a Zabit situation where it's like man you could have been that guy yeah no a thousand percent agree i don't know if this moves the needle on either one of you but uh jorge masvaldo did tweet that he's unretired <laughs> uh i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't try to make a play for 300 mm-hmm. or something like that maybe they want him because it's a name and yeah. Uh, they could throw him on the prelims against, you know, somebody. So I could see a couple things. Yeah, I, I saw that. Um, you know, maybe it's maybe we get the the tough thing because like at first when I saw it, I was like, okay, we're going to get the rematch between Diaz and yeah. Masvidal at 300. But without that BMF title being a part of it, so then it's like, well, then are you going to do like um, – a double like is every weight class going to have like you're going to do the 170 BMF you know and yeah. then get real gimmicky on them right <laughs> um, so that was my first reaction um, I, I don't know man it's just like one of those things like I, I has anybody I like Jorge right but it's like does he really bring anything other than a name I mean it's not like we saw him super competitive right there at the end was going against the best guys in the world right um but it's like where do you come back in this division that's like murderer's row right now at 170 unless he's going to try to make another play at 155 him and tony I, <laughs> yeah I mean, hey there you i mean dude i said tony and miller maybe you could do ferguson versus uh masvidal that's a big fight for 300 got you names know? on it and yeah absolutely um but yeah i mean outside of that i just something like that i don't see what the point is mm-hmm. in that and he just said and retired so i don't know but i guess the ufc would hold his rights for mixed martial right. arts at least because i mean he has his own promotion so if he yeah. was really going to do something he could just headline against whoever's still out there yeah he could bare knuckle fight yeah i mean he like something like that he didn't specify what it was for but and it, and it also felt like when he retired it wasn't like super super 
genuine as far as like, I think I'm done. I think it felt like a, I'm going to step away and see what happens. See, I feel different. That's another aspect of it is I feel differently. I felt like he was done. I mean, you got to think this dude has been fighting his whole entire life. Um, And I felt like he was done. So then what worries me is, is he also just coming back because of money? Does he need money? And if that's the case. He is trying to do his own promotion. Yeah. And it's, I mean, he's had some legal troubles here lately and stuff as well, I believe. And it's like, um, I I just really hope that that's not what it's for Mm because that can be not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Before I get into fight announcements, I just wanted to kind of get your guys' gauge on this whole Sean Strickland interview thing. Uh, with Theo, where you had the you had the breakdown when he started talking about his life and his trauma, but then you've now had fighters like a Henry Cejudo come out and say that him and Volk shouldn't be putting this stuff out there. They should keep it to themselves. You've had Ian Gary kind of clap back at Sean Strickland after the stuff he said to them and some other fighters as well as kind of saying, hey, you know, you were doing the same stuff to us and now you're trying to maybe say that this isn't right or it's triggering you to the point to where, you know, you can't even function. So I just wanted to get your guys' uh, opinion on that. I think Brandon's probably better to answer this, but the only thing I'll say real quick about it, from my perspective at least, is I think any nobody should be like feeling sorry for Sean Strickland about getting trashed online for crying or anything anybody says um, because Sean Strickland deals it. So, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I mean, he can either take it or not. Mm-hmm. Um but you can't like I've seen like like people like almost in defense of him, and I'm like, well, I mean, he said, said a lot of, of really stuff. not great things about a lot of people. So like, I guess I'm saying like somebody like an Ian Gary coming out and kind of dancing on his grave, so to speak, or whatever with it, or like really rubbing it in. It's like, well, he kind of has that coming a little bit. So um, that's the only thing I guess I'll let Brandon say. But that was the only thing I'll say from like a social media aspect of it. Uh, yeah, I have no problem with like what Ian Gary's saying because I think the, like. What wasn't one of the things Sean said in the interview? Like you shouldn't talk about a man's wife, mm-hmm. and like, <laughs> yeah. he's really done like that. completely, Tons uh, of yeah, completely against something he's done all the time. So like, can't really defend that. I'm totally cool with what Ian said, um, or any of these guys who are giving him crap for crying. Like mm-hmm. I, I, but at the same time, what was Hudo is saying about them keeping it to themselves? I kind of disagree with that. I think mental mm-hmm. health is a very interesting thing, and there's a lot of. Uh, um, oh geez, what's the word? Um, stigma with it. I mm-hmm. think if someone's willing to talk about it, that's their decision. Um, I mm-hmm. think it's up to them if they're if they, now if they if you're gonna put it out there, I think you gotta be willing to eat those punches too. Though if someone's gonna say something right. about it or give you crap about it, but I don't think that someone needs to shy away from it either. So mm-hmm. that's my take on so it. So from your uh, expertise, I'll say um, you are a leading expert, uh, Indiana leading expert. You're on the board. I'll take that. You're on the board. I'm on the board. Um, you're ranked. You're you're ranked somewhere in there. Um, so seeing things like him react to Drikus the way he did noticeably. Uh, his face shifted. He triggered. got re- it got really awkward almost mm-hmm. to a point where Dana was just kind of like ended the thing very triggered. Um, and then just seeing the way that his reaction to breaking down there, uh, you know, is that just like there's just some deeply rooted things there? And then is that something that I mean, I guess he's done a good job of using it in fighting. But like now that people kind of know it's a thing, mm-hmm. you know, does it fuel him? Does it, you know, what? Did you guys watch the interview? Yeah. I haven't watched the whole thing. I watched, I watched the clip that it's like a five minute clip. Yeah, of I watched that, it that segment. I watched like the, the 20 minute segment and the, what stood out to me about him breaking down was, and I don't know how deep you guys are wanting to go with this, but um, he, he made a small comment to Theo about um, belief in God, right? Like he mm-hmm. said, he said, I quit believing in God. And then it, you, you could kind of tell he was wanting to go somewhere and Theo moved on mm-hmm. and then it, they quickly circled back and he said it again. And that's when he broke down. So I feel like the whole breakdown mm-hmm. specifically came from a place for him where he was really just kind of realizing like 
what his past has done to him mm-hmm. from a, from an existential perspective. Um, I think it was a, I think that was just people don't he doesn't I don't assume I'm assuming here um, that he doesn't go to therapy he doesn't talk to people much so this is his outlet and I when you start opening up those doors you don't know sometimes what's going to come out when you mm-hmm. when you process like that and that's kind of what he was doing in that discussion was processing you know sometimes you open a door you didn't realize what was behind it and I think that's what that was with the whole you know God and the existential piece I think sure. it had very little to do with specifically what was happening I think I think it was a, a, a big moment for him in that realization. So I think that's interesting. So do you think there's a chance that that's the first time he's ever felt that? Like, like is it you know allowed himself to feel it? Well, maybe, yeah, too. or like you know, I think some people could assume like, well, he's kind of dealt with this or felt this for a long time, and you know, but do you think that reaction is like just solely a whoa, like I've never done that before type thing? Probably. Or? Like clinically, we call that a process moment. So like he talked about it even on the interview, like he, you know, you joke, you make, you make humor and mm-hmm. you gotta, you have to have some defense for that stuff because you can't let it eat you up, but you have to also allot yourself some time to process that kind of thing. And that very well could be the first time, maybe the first time in years or the first time ever that he's generally processed it like that. But Interesting. yeah, I think that's what that could be. How do you, how do you feel about the, like if you were like the UFC or whatever, and you're seeing this champion that you have talk about how he's nervous to go outside because he feels like he gets urges to just want to fight people and put himself in prison like does that something that you think he, they need to maybe give him some help towards or just like just let him go and whatever happens happens because that just that's what worried me is like when you really look down to it he doesn't even want to be sociable because some of the things that he has going through his head i don't know i mean that's an interesting question you can start looking at like what are they calling e- uh, employee uh there's like programs some or some mm-hmm. companies will do to mm-hmm. try to assist people with that. I think that's fine if, if companies want to give employees like here we have this program set up. If you want to speak to a, a therapist, you know we've got people we refer to, or we got a financial people that we refer people to for for education. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that they owe that to him. I think them seeing it. I think I think Dane has talked about before like. They try to help guys like that. Like Tony's been through stuff, and mm-hmm. they try to reach out. But at the end of the day, too, I think that's that's Strickland's decision. So yeah. they can offer to live every. You know, they can have been offering this stuff for the last six months to that guy, and he can mm-hmm. just shoot it down. So yeah, because we've talked about with like the domestic violence thing being deep in MMA, and like some of the the troubled past that comes with a lot of these fighters. That maybe all of them kind of have a lot of similar type of problems like that that they just don't vocalize. So I think you know, kind of what you're talking about, not having the stigma of like hold it away and just be a fighter. I think that's very important because you just don't want to see these guys kind of tear themselves apart later in life. Did you guys by chance kind of change the topic, but still on Strickland? Um, I just saw like before we started, there's a video starting to go around. I guess Strickland's girlfriend or whatever last night or something posted on her Instagram a video of Sean's hip, and it definitely looks like he has a staph infection. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, well, just something to watch. You know, that fight is two weeks away. Um, would hate to see him have to pull out the bull. Definitely, uh, key. I don't know if it was true. Yeah. Fake. I mean, I don't even know if it. Was, you don't even see anything. Well, he, uh, remember, he had the thing where somebody like bit his finger and it like yeah, got infected, and he had to change. You can't even tell if it's him. I mean, it does look like his shorts, but you know, you can't really even tell if it's actually Strickland in the what video. Was, did she caption it or like what she said? Somebody must have known that it was his lady. I don't know who. I was about to say if she's putting just a random other fighter's like she just like bite. zoomed in on it or yeah. real quick, but huh. like, it's like a two three second thing. So. Uh, last, I got some some pretty big fight announcements. Marvin Vittori set to face Brendan Allen to main event UFC Vegas 89 in April. 
uh, Dominique Reyes and Carlos Olberg, which was originally slated for 297, is being moved to UFC Atlantic City after Olberg had to pull out of the 297 fight because of injury. Uh, Chris Weidman will be facing Bruno Silva on that same Atlantic City card. And Raul Rosas Jr. will be facing Ricky Turcios at UFC Mexico. Turkios. Turkios. That's a good fight for Raul. Yeah. Turkios is tough, that, man. That feels like what we should, I feel like we should be getting with the patties and the, oh, I think Jared Gordon was kind of similar to what we got from the patty, but yeah. even like for Bo, like I would love to see somebody's like, oh, this guy might be one to, you know, really push him. Yeah. Turkios is a little like Tasmanian devil, man. Uh, song of the week, Brandon, what you got? I always get nervous that I'm saying one that I've said before, but we're well, going to. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate on that. Go ahead. Okay. I'm going to go with Schism by Tool. What is it? Schism. By You've tool. definitely done a Tool song. Uh, John is now keeping track on these. John mm-hmm. is, uh, every now we do song of the week, John is making a Spotify playlist so you can go oh, okay. find these. So we will now know yeah. if uh, we are repeating. Um, so, yeah, you, I don't know how you find Spotify playlists, but it's there. Yeah. Uh, one for the people, John, what do you got? Or uh, actually, Brandon, kick yeah. it off since you just did your song of the week. Uh, have I talked about Bloodhounds yet, that show? <laughs> Must not have. No, nope, I've never heard of this. Okay, so this is this is a show on on Netflix. Um, it's a it's a martial arts show. I'm a big fan of martial arts movies and TV shows. Okay, um, and this one is I, I believe uh, Japanese, but it's about these two kids and they're boxers. And um, one of them's mom owns a business and she owes owes money to loan sharks. And so these loan sharks come back and they're like tearing up the business. Anyway, it's basically about these two boxers trying to like defend the, one of their moms is business but it's just a really cool show and it's got a lot of that i don't know how you characterize it but there's like this way I, like like japanese humor i guess you could say it's like kind of cheesy in a few different ways it's really funny mm-hmm. um but the martial arts and it's also fantastic and it's pretty boxing heavy so i think that's kind of cool hmm. but uh anyway it's called bloodhounds and it's i think it came out in 2022 maybe 2023 we talking netflix yeah it's netflix okay, it's on netflix nice. it's really good I might try it i mean i can watch stuff now at work so i might give it a shot yeah uh, I'm gonna let you go ahead because we have I have a surprise for you for mine. So. Oh, okay. I don't I don't really have anything. Um, I the only thing I was I guess I'll go back to something that I kind of missed. Or I guess I can a bold predict. I should have said this is my bold or not, it's not really a bold prediction, but um, kind of elaborating more on like this like feeling like this is gonna be a big competitive year. Um, and that's because I really feel like uh the UFC product I think especially over the last year year and a half really kind of since COVID is. Their, their business model has just been as much as we can do every week, whatever, whatever. Well, the problem is kind of like watered the product down a little bit. Um, and I really do believe that this whole PFL Bellator, it's going to be very interesting this year to see what impact um, that not only has on mixed martial arts as a whole in the industry, um, because we may get some more surprise, like mm-hmm. Francis Ngannou's this year that jumped ship. That's going to be very interesting. That could have, I should have made that a question sitting here now is one fighter you think may end up, um, outside of the UFC or in this whole Bellator PFL thing. Or even coming into the UFC from that. Yeah, but I think I think the one thing about the UFC is they've gotten to where they are because regardless of anything anybody says, I think Dana White is hands down the best mind um, when it comes to this bi- the business side of this sport. Um, and I think the, he's built a team of people that are just as 
capable, if not even more capable than him in that aspect as well. So I really feel like the pressure from all of that um, is really going to bring a great year of fighting. I think they're going to do some things maybe they've never done before. I think it's going to challenge them to really put some of these cards. You know, I'm not saying the fight nights week to week are going to get, you know, much better, but I do think we're in for some really big fights, some really cool things this year, and I'm really excited for that. So. All right, so our very own Jacob Herlock um, wants you to watch what I'm about to hand to you. and just, Wait, when did this happen? Just go along. <laughs> okay. Uh, watch this, and then he wants to see your reaction by you watching it, so just obviously keep the phone in front of you. Okay. So turn the volume up. Go ahead and hit play. <laughs> My boy, William Montgomery. Do I turn it up? Uh, I got the volume up. You might oh. Have to- Nice Listener discretion is advised. Somebody who's trained in the arts of BJJ, Nathan. Kind of right off the bat, if I seem a little sad or off or something, yeah, that's pretty much the case. Okay, Nathan, on New Year's Eve, I was with my brothers and some of my cousins, and inexplicably, Nathan, at one point in time, one of my cousins sticks his hand over the mortar system, firing off the fireworks. It turns into just this horribly gruesome, kind of apocalyptic, just nightmarish fucking scene so nathan just all that to say i pray to the lord you're doing better than me and nathan you know what i think you're gonna be once you get it through your fucking head that your bjj shit wouldn't work on the memphis strangler okay and even if you tried it i do have those things up in the trunk so nathan please uh just stop talking about it dude i would beat your ass probably any fucking day of the week, okay? That's pretty much the fucking case. And Nathan, if you're even curious how I even have the knowledge of your BJJ and how you've been coming after my ass, uh, obviously I've been getting that information from sweetest Jacob. And Nathan, please, <laughs> next time you see Jacob, give him a big hug and maybe a open mouth kiss, okay, Nathan? These things are literally, I think, three thousand fucking dollars right now, Nathan. If you thought I was lying about my cousin's hand, well, I wasn't, okay, Nathan. The doctors are. Saying oh it's going to be a modern medical miracle to reattach the hand. It's going to be super expensive. So, Nathan, please thank Jacob when you see his ass. Uh, but, Nathan, hope all is well. And I'll honestly, do know, Nathan, uh, that I ain't ever going to stop listening to Knee on Belly podcast. Okay, Nathan? And honestly, I'm sure you could beat the shit out of me. So I was totally kidding, Nathan. I've never been in a fight. Maybe you could actually train me. I need to get trained, dude. Seriously, I don't know what would happen if anything ever happened. I'd probably run off. Uh, but Nathan, hope all is well, my sweet friend. Bye. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, that was the sweet stylings of William Montgomery from the Kill Tony podcast. That is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Jacob called me yesterday and was like, "Hey, how can we make this happen?" And I was like, "We'll just show him." Goodness, but he wanted your reactions. Like, I love you think Jacob. he's going to cry? No, I love Which, Jacob for that. He, well, he told me on Thursday before jujitsu because remember why you were rolling? He came up to you, Nate. When's the last time you cried? Oh, that is phenomenal. So now like, I have a drop. Oh, yeah, that's getting out of Never going to stop. No, that might be at the beginning of it. I ain't never going <laughs> to stop listening. And those literally cost $3,000, yeah. by the way. So Jacob really breaking the bank there. Uh, $3,000 yeah. he just spent uh, for William Montgomery. <laughs> Memphis Strangler. To dude. do a cameo. I'm gonna, I owe Jacob big time for yeah. that. I, you he knows to, you I might need him. to do the mouth, open mouth kick. <laughs> yeah. well, I, was like, I think Jacob probably suggested I was just saying, that. Jacob might have wrote that whole script, to be honest. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to give 
give him one back. That yeah. is, uh, that's phenomenal. That's amazing. I yeah. don't even know what, like, I'm yeah. like, I don't really get surprised very often. So, like, I feel really weird right now. Well, Watch here, the words. Uh, yeah. What's funny is, I mean, you know, we've been best friends forever. So, when he was telling me that, the first thing I want to do is, like, dude, Nathan's going to laugh at this. Like, wait, no, no, no. I can't tell Nathan. And nobody else really knows, that per is, se. So, I've been holding it since Thursday. That is hilarious. I absolutely love that. And that is a perfect way to go out. Yeah. I love it. That will be added to the soundboard. <laughs> I can promise. By hooker, by crook next week. Have to. Might be the new intro. Yeah. <laughs> Just that whole two-minute video. Uh, watch Kill Tony and make sure also you come back next week for the Neon Belly Podcast. We will recap Magomed Ankalaev versus Johnny Walker and get you set up with our picks and predictions for UFC 297. Until then, we'll see you guys. Peace. Peace.